0: Oh man, it's fun to be back here with you guys. Harley and I have an exciting podcast for you today. We are going to play with we're gonna play with stuff. Uh we're gonna play with products that we use. The title, and just to make this official, of today's podcast episode, and we're going to kind of ramble for a bit, but the title is going to be Harley and Justin's top five products that we're not paid to use, but can't live without.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that with the sponsorships that we have and the partners that we have, we talk a lot about product, but it's product that we're supposed to talk about and we chose the partners or, you know, we, we picked companies that we wanted to approach, to work with um, because we like the product. We like what they offer. We like the philosophy of the company. Um, but at the end of the day, there's a little bias. Like you can't, you can't separate it. Right.
0: Like, right. Right. And, and even if, you know, say there are seven attributes about one of these products that we're using and we love five of them and two of them, we're not super jacked about. Guess what? We're probably not talking about those two little right. attributes, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because we want to support them much as they're supporting us. And to, to be clear, we do love all of our, current sponsors and Absolutely. partners. Absolutely. I
1: mean we 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 kind of handpicked like hey, these are the the group, people that we want to work with. Let's see if they'll work with us.
0: And the upside in is that because we've chosen those brands, we've chosen brands that are pretty specific. Like the for instance, Crank Brothers makes very specific lineup of products. They don't make shoes, right? right. Like they make their certain things and so we don't have enough partners or sponsorships to have a fully comprehensive ability to ride bikes or train or do the things that we do. So, naturally, then there's a lot of other things that both you and I use on a daily and weekly basis that are huge parts of our program. And so, we want to share that to the listeners to let you guys know, like, hey, what can these guys not live without? What is it? Because we get to play with a lot of stuff. I mean, you more than I yeah. in the bike space and me more than you in the nutrition space. And so, we get to play with products all the time. And I think it'd be nice to just share with, with the listeners you know, what we've found we can't move on without because we've already meted out quite a bit of stuff. Yeah,
1: and I think when I, incidentally, 60% of my list was created two hours ago. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just because I couldn't, you know, it until you sit down and think about the stuff. But uh, the intent behind my list was, was things that kind of don't have a personal preference or ergonomic issue. You know, like a seat or grips or right. a shoe or a helmet, that sort of thing. Um, and I think your, your list is, uh, is definitely right in there.
0: Yeah. Like, I mean, as you say it that way, I remember, so it wasn't three years ago, I bought one of the POC helmets mm-hmm. because it was like, at the time I it thought was it was the, the coolest, coolest helmet. Yeah. It was the coolest helmet to get. So I'm, actually I bought it from you some time ago, years ago mm-hmm. at a different shop and I remember I bought it and it never fit right. And our relationship then wasn't as close as, as it is now. Right. And so I just wore it. Yeah. Hell, I wore it for one of the, my first Leadville 100. And the helmet used to give me such throbbing pain in the back of my skull. I mean, like a soul crushing throbbing pain. But it was a $250 helmet. So I was wearing it no matter what. And also an 104.6 mile mountain bike ride. Like everything hurts. Yeah, everything hurts. So who hurt. cares? But I wore I, I that helmet for a year before I finally was like, "Enough's enough." I okay, I know I spent money on this thing. I can't wear it anymore, and I ended up gifting it to my brother-in-law, who now wears it. And for me, I'm a Smith helmet guy because a I like them, but they fit. They don't hurt my head, right? And so you're right. The the list that we put together, there won't be something like that where you're just like, "Oh, that doesn't work for my body,"
1: right? Right. So. Well, I think we just jump right in. Yeah. Um, I want to start with.
0: Shammy cream. Okay. I mean, you know, why just get that area out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the first episode that I'm going to let you talk about that area more than I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, shammy cream wasn't really <laughs> anything I ever...
1: I, I never used anything to reduce chafing or or cut down because I just never rode bikes for that long. Rewind to 2015, all that changed and things didn't feel great. <laughs> things, felt, <laughs> things felt real bad. Um, and, uh, my first, and, and, you know, I, there's all the, the usual suspects, chamois butter and buttonhole cream and all that sort of stuff.
0: These nuts love the creativity on the names that we just like, let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, that if you read the back of the labels of some yeah. of these, it's hilarious how they tell you to apply it and, uh, people have had fun with it. So yeah. a lot of options though. Um,
1: So the first time I tried it, I was pretty put off. It was on a trip in fruit and somebody was like, hey, you want to try this? And I was like, all right, fine. Anyway, fast forward to 2015 and uh, somehow we all got on uh, this product uh, called Roulette. roulette roulette, uh, And at the time, it was all I knew. And so we just used it religiously. We all did. We ordered it and paid full price for it and just used it. And used it and used it and used it. That company is now uh, defunct, I think. And when we opened Basecamp, I wanted to have a cool product, but I didn't, or I wanted to have a shame and cream option for, we have a lot of endurance racers and riders. And I didn't want to just default to the usual suspects. Did some research and came up with a company called Mad Alchemy. And, oh my God. Is it nice?
0: Oh, it is so nice. And the first time I used chamois cream, I didn't think I'd ever make a statement about it being so nice. Because how do you say this without offending 50% of the world's I population? I think
1: we're way past offending people, so.
0: So when you put on chamois cream, I for the first time, I was like, this is what my girlfriend, now wife, must feel like in the sleeping bag after we have boom-boom time <laughs> oh in a tent. God it's disgusting yeah right like you squish it up in yeah. there and it's kind of like a it's a pretty uncomfortable feeling and so um I'm gonna piggyback because when we talk about making our lists I was gonna put Mount Alchemy on I mean I put Mount Alchemy yep. on my list um every product I've used squirt is like feels like vaseline my uncle who we've talked about several times in this podcast because he's stuck in 1997 um he uses just straight up vaseline like all of these products are so gross for me anyway, yeah. that when you get done, you're like, I need to bathe immediately. Right. And I think
1: that's a big part of what there's the, the while you're on the bike factor Yeah, and mad alchemy kills it there. But I think there's a bigger factor uh, of like, how clean do you feel when you're done?
0: Yeah. Or you know, a lot of us, we get done at a trailhead. We're not at home. Yeah. Right. And so I'm going to put on some shorts and then I'm probably going to stop for a lot of people, a burger and a beer, or I'm going to get a coffee or mm-hmm. like I'm doing other stuff. Um, and so yeah, the mad alchemy dude, it like it like disappears when you're done using it in a weird way. Yeah, it's in the products that I've used in
1: the past if I was if I had any drive whatsoever from where I finished the ride back to the house, I would just keep the the short my my cycling shorts on, my lycra shorts on because it was not worth the kind of like gross feeling I would have if I put on a pair of boxers. <laughs> Uh, at the trail, you know, change at the trailhead. So, um, Matt Alchemy does away with that. Uh, it works extremely well. It's, it lasts for a long time, like long hours on the bike. I think it, it doesn't really fade away.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've had it, I used it for my longest is 12 straight hours and never had to reapply. Yeah. So,
1: um, I don't think there's a lot you can say about a creamy substance that you slather on your butt, uh, before you ride a bike, but I think that covers a lot of, uh,
0: a Lot of ground, yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, and again, huge stamp from me because that's like I said, it was one that I was gonna pick before you, yeah, called it out. So I love it. Mad Alchemy, shamey butter. Um, moving right along because yeah. I don't think there's a lot to say there,
1: yeah. No, cruise on. just good stuff. Um, well, you go ahead and grab All one right. of yours.
0: My first, so my first is going to be uh, the goose stroke baffle. So the Goo Brands Waffle, a lot of like these uh, nutrition companies, sports nutrition companies have different versions of the waffle. I've stuck with Goo for a couple of reasons. One, uh, big amino acid profile in it, in each waffle, which I dig. And unlike some of the other waffles, I feel like I had to chew more than I'd like to. Like, I'm crazy. I eat, I eat my nutrition on climbs, on the uphills, in bike races. Um, and on rec rides, I don't eat them much on the downhill. And the main reason is because I can access my food when riding uphill easier than flying downhill, pull one hand. I mean, you're not going to get it. So I tend to preload and prep all my food when climbing and then shove it in. And with a goo waffle, I can half it in my hand and then quarter it, shove it in my mouth, and then chipmunk cheek it. And I don't <laughs> have to chew these things. They just disintegrate slowly, just like with saliva in my mouth. So it really requires not much effort at all whatsoever. And I know I'm getting like the nutritional profile that I want. So uh, I know a lot of racers will use liquid nutrition. Um, I do that as well. I do goo packs as well, but the goo brand Stroopwafel. And if you're lucky enough to have them pre-ride at the campsite, they, uh, on the back of the package, they have picture drawing on how to use it. And they want you to set it on top of a hot cup of coffee before you eat it. And if you have the luxury to do that, let me tell you, oh, you're gonna like it. It's that good.
1: Um, so I don't even know why you care that your your stroopwafel. I can't do it. Um, <laughs> has
0: uh, aminos in it versus some other one that may not. So what's? Yeah. So the uh, amino acids are going to help facilitate protein synthesis in my body, and as I'm out riding and I'm and I'm breaking down muscle, if if I really want to be smart about it, especially on an endurance event, I want that muscle to have the components necessary to try to rebuild um, along the way, right? And so when your body's going through protein synthesis and using these amino acids to, to repair and fix, it's at the same time getting rid of the lactic acid or the lactate, rather, mm-hmm. that builds up in the muscle. And so... By inspiring your body and providing it with the components necessary to go through this process, you're also ridding it of the byproduct of tearing down muscle, which is what leads to you know muscle failure and cramps and all of those things. And so, uh, amino acids are hugely important for an endurance-based event to keep you going and not and not locking up. Does it have any spillover effect, like? If you consumed enough of them in a six-hour, eight-hour event. Yeah, your body does. Like, you can only absorb so much in a specific period of time. So, sure, it, say you did a, a pre-workout that had a, you know, 10 grams of amino acids you're kind of loaded for the day. Um, but like all good Americans, if a little bit's good, more's, more's got to be better. In <laughs> worst case scenario, I'm going to waste it. So I just feel like it's another... Like for that brand, anyway, it's another like feather in its cap to say, hey, at least I know I'm getting this. Right. And it's so funny how people don't realize how deficient they are. People will think, like, oh, I had a great race nutrition plan. We actually talked to one of the base camp customers just last week prior to their event. Yeah. And uh, he's like, you know, I got a great plan. I've been on my cr- plan, but man, I've just been cramping. And we found out, like, like oh, are you having enough water? Yeah. And he's like, no, no, yeah, I'm having enough water. I carry a whole camel back. Cool. And then we talked to him for another th- few minutes and he goes, my camelback's like pretty full by the time I'm done still. Like I'm not, eh, yeah. Wrong. So no, you're not drinking water. Like we have these perceptions that we're doing things smart. Like, Oh, my pre-workout has this in it. Or my pre-ride has this in it. My diet has that in it. But when you really like write this stuff down, you realize like, Oh, maybe I'm not getting what I thought. So anytime a product has an added feather in its cap, I'm thinking, dude, good call there. Mm-hmm. Better than the next one down the line. Why are waffle, like, why
1: are the waffles so popular right now? And I I asked this because for the longest time, Honey Stinger was like the only company. Right. And now it's all anybody wants to talk about as far as on-bike nutrition goes.
0: Yeah. So the thing is with liquid nutrition is like where the racer racers go, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, I've done several races on just liquid nutrition. And it is the least satisfying way to consume (laughs) calories because you're not – like if you've ever done a juice cleanse or a smoothie-based diet – yeah, they get you all the nutrients that you need and they're the least fulfilling thing on planet earth. Right? To not be able to chew and eat something, but and nothing against them because I love these too, but like cliff bars and go macro bars and um, they're hard to chew. Four points bars. It's you're... so much effort. Yeah. And so the waffle lets you chew. So you're like I'm eating real food, but it also breaks down really well. And they got a flavor called caramel coffee yeah. that's got a little zip of caffeine. Dude, Colin gave me a, uh uh was it like a coconut?
1: Something yeah like... coconuts oh, scream dude, so it was the first one i ever really had so yeah so so we have of... them
0: now at the store <laughs> <laughs> so colin actually uh at a ride when we were out at buff creek doing that team ride he had not had enough nutrition with him and so i have a little like baggie of nutrition stuff that sits in my gearbox and he he took a coconut throat waffle and like you know i always help a brother out you know yeah. but i was like damn I really wish you would have taken that bar over there. Right. <laughs> They're so good.
1: <laughs> he liked it so much, though. He came to work on Tuesday and ordered like a box or two for himself. So that's perfect. So just um, hit him up for one. He'll pay you back.
0: So, goo waffle, man. That's that's huge for me. Nice. Um,
1: I at all times need to have a digital pressure gauge in my gear bag. Really? Yeah. I don't care what brand, there's 100 good ones out there. Um, I I think currently I have a, I don't even know, maybe a Topeak one. Really? Um,
0: digital tire gauge. Okay. (laughs) So. No, I'm excited to hear about this because I have one and I never use it. I use it every ride. All right.
1: In the parking lot. So I've got a nice pump, floor pump that I keep in my truck when I go, when I go ride. And. It's got a dot at 20 and a dot at 30 and all these stupid little hash marks in between. Um, I'm fairly particular about my tire pressure. Really? I, I I wouldn't say I could tell if I had 26 versus 27. But if I had, you know, with this, a floor pump with a vague gauge if i put it kind of close to 30 well is it 28 is it 29 is it 26 like what yeah, is that's it?
0: a big and that is a difference And
1: when you're talking about these lower tire pressures two psi percentage wise is a lot right right so two percent uh two psi is almost you know eight ten percent so to be 10 percent off of your what you prefer that's enough that you're like well maybe i should know better yeah Um, and so I, I, I used to have an analog pressure gauge and those are not really much better. So I went digital and it, it probably doesn't actually matter if I have 26 in the rear and 24 in the front, but for my brain, I know my tires where I want it to be. I've played with different tire pressures and, uh, that digital pressure gauge. I I don't know. I don't like, I feel weird. Like if I go on a ride, and don't have it. And also, if I go on a ride with you and we take Justin's truck and use Justin's pump... You don't have any idea. I have no idea. Yeah. So if I've got it in my gear bag, I know I can replicate my tire pressure time over time. Okay, so
0: I've, I'd have never owned one. And then when I bought a stupid bike some years ago... I mean, so when I bought a fat bike some years ago... Oh, yeah. I needed to get one because for the same reason... Pumps at that time, like I got a fat bike probably the first or second year they were out, like pretty early on. Um, and the pumps, there were no low vo- like low pressure pumps available. So like the gauge would start at 10 PSI, mm-hmm. you know, on the readout. And in those fat bike races I was doing, I was running like two and a half PSI. Right. So it did make a difference. So I bought a, a pressure gauge and used it for that. But now that that bike has, is just like collecting dust. Actually, I'm going to put it for sale this week. Um, and just get it out. Anybody looking for a fat bike? <laughs> if you're looking for a fat bike, listen, they are tons of fun Come and buy mine. Um, <laughs> we didn't just call it a stupid bike. <laughs> but so I have one. Here's my concern. I feel like I get my pressure perfect. Right. And then I pull out the gauge to double check it. And I bite like, there's no way around it. You get the noise from reading the pressure. And I'm like, shit, now I just lost the pressure. Like it wasn't, now it's not where it's at. So how does that work? Because well, I you, don't use mine for that reason.
1: Right. It's all about the number that shows up on the display, right? Yeah. So even if you do lose lose a little bit of air... Putting it on. Putting it on, if it says you have 26 PSI, guess what you have? Okay. You're not really going to lose... And it's such a... I mean, you might lose... I mean, any amount that you would lose from putting it on or taking it off... um, You wouldn't notice riding. You're really not going to notice riding. And I think for me, you know, there are top-tier pros who... They'll change tire pressure based on track course yeah. conditions, etc. But for me, and I'm I fall more into the camp of consistency. Yeah. So if my bike is predictable across any range of conditions, that's what I prefer. Right. Um, and I used to kind of just to, wanting to feel special. I was like, I'm gonna if I'm at Buff Creek, I'm gonna run this PSI. If I'm riding Apex. Uh, which is a much steeper, more technical terrain. I'm going to run this PSI. And then uh, I read an interview with Jared Graves on his bike setup. And he was like, no, just like, just find what works for you and just have the bike be consistent. Right. And that's what's worked for me. Um, so I love having the digital pressure gauge. Um, and if you do want to feel special and run 30 PSI on a smoother course and you know, less on a more technical Rocky course or a looser course, like th- it'll do that too. Um, it allows you to be as picky as you want to be.
0: Yeah, I'm going to, okay. So today marks, I, I've literally never used it. Cause I always feel like <laughs> I'm going to get, I'm going to lose air when I use the gauge, Yeah, just like with a shock pump, yeah. you know, you take the shock pump off and you get the, pssst, and I had to I actually read on online one because I was like, it's always late at night when, when the shop is unavailable that I'm <laughs> manic about these little things. Yeah. And I read online like no, actually, when you're removing your shock pump, that's just typically the air in the hose. Yep, that's coming out, even yep. though you hear it. So, Big myth.
1: Oh, you need to put in 10, 10 psi because you no. Yeah. So so uh, hey guys, when you're setting your suspension up, don't <laughs> inflate it 10 psi over. Dude, that's look at these added tips. <laughs> I know it's just. Um, so yeah, I I I I can't leave it. It is full time in the gear bag, just right. like gloves, helmet, sunglasses. It's as critical a part of my little gear bag as anything else.
0: I dig it. Cool. I'm going to use mine today when we go ride. (laughs) Just, just because I need to get over it.
1: You know? (laughs) So (laughs) interestingly on my road bike, I just go like 60 on the gravel bike. I'll, I'll just put 60 PSI in and call it a day.
0: (laughs) Just on the mountain bike. (laughs) Uh, that's cool. Yeah. No, it's funny how, I mean, every one of my bikes has a different, PSI and you, you know exactly in your head what you want and uh well and, and to your like you have
1: a bike with Cushcore or both your bikes have Cushcore but like the big bike yeah um
0: you know about 20 is pretty good yeah I, I like to even be anywhere below 20 to yeah. Cushcore anyhow I can't wait I didn't even put that on my I know list. I, now that I said it yeah so
1: hey guys Cushcore
0: awesome yeah we're going to save that for another yeah. because it is so the big, con- that one's actually a really big conversation. Yeah. All right. Moving um, along. All right, I'm going to stay on air because you brought up air with digital pressure gauge. So I'm going to stay on it. And for me, my next one is the uh, Portland design works, shiny object. It's called the little shiny object. Uh, there's a mini version of it. So Portland design works, shiny object, the mini version. Uh, so this is any repair kit that you have. If you're running CO2 as an air option, you have to have the little air chuck, right? The little thing that you screw the canister into, and you can pssst onto your tire. The thing is, you never want to use that item, right? Yeah, that that means your day
1: went sideways. Yeah, it's
0: insurance, right? It's like, I blew a tire or whatever, and so I'm now fixing shit on the side of the trail, i.e. not riding a bike. I'm having to answer every dickbag that goes by me and says, Hey, man, you all right? Yeah, dude, I'm good. I got a flight. Hey man, you got everything you need? Yeah, I got everything I need. Hey man, that's a bummer. You got a flat. Yeah, no. I, I know. Hey, I know. So I so you're you're already in a state, right? And so you never want to use this item at all. So because of that, I want to pick the least invasive version of that item. In the uh, Portland Design Works Shiny Object, the mini version is the smallest one I have found that also has an on-off valve. Okay. Because I have blown so many CO2s because I'm an idiot. Like wasted. Yeah, like you're a, you're a bike professional. Yeah. Okay. I'm a guy that just breaks shit that I buy from you. Right. So I'll like take cheaper versions of air chucks and screw in the CO2 and I don't even have it hooked onto the onto the Presta valve yet and it's just like... <laughs> it's just <laughs> pissing
1: CO2 And everywhere.
0: I'm like, sweet, that one's done. Yeah. Uh, I have one more left, maybe. Yeah. Or I now borrow my buddy's. So... Uh, PDWs have an on off valve. So I always know it's off so I can screw in the air, the CO2 and then put it on and then open it up as much or as little as I kind of need. So I have this on off thing and that's the smallest one of that. So in my kit, which I use my kit in my Jersey pocket, I don't have it on my bike. Um, so I your want repair it the smallest, kit, not my, to be
1: confused with your riding kit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. My repair kit. I want it to be the smallest thing possible. So that's my, it's it. I have four of them and it's in my road <laughs> kit. Uh, repair kit it's in my big bike repair kit it's in my race bike repair kit and now i have one in our gravel bike repair so kit
1: that's pdw is portland design works yes right so we we should probably do some show start doing show notes about stuff we talk about Totally,
0: <laughs> portland uh, design works shiny object
1: so and, and uh, apart from the little on off valve it that's that's the differentiator for you yeah right? it's
0: the on. It has an on-off valve, and it's the smallest one that has an on-off valve. Okay. That's the differentiator. Okay, cool.
1: So that, yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I'm i just, I'm the opposite of that, and I'm just like, I don't know. They, I don't even know what one I have.
0: Because <laughs> you don't want to use it. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, you don't use it very often. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, So on-bike uh, repair stuff, how do we carry these now? Oh, no. Backcountry research all day. That's, you love the straps. They're so good. Um, I've tried. I can't do the full, just all my repair kit stuff in my jersey. I, I don't, it just feels funky. Like right. a, a phone, my my truck key, a couple of bars or goos or whatever. And and that's about as much as I want to carry in my jersey. I, uh, a rain jacket if it's a bad day. But that's it. Right. Um, I don't want a tube, a CO2, an inflator and the tool and my phone and my, you know, like all of a sudden I, I feel like, uh, like you're a Sherpa. Yeah. I guess I got yeah. too much stuff going on there and it feels like the Jersey's pulling on me funny. And so, uh, my first foray. So incidentally, hydration packs apparently aren't cool anymore. Definitely um, not.
0: Cool. <laughs> if would, a guy's wearing what, a Camelback, you know, it's his first time.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I would disagree with that, but. Uh, it's a it's a weird scenario where that's just like not a thing that are super sellable anymore at a retail bike shop.
0: No, they kill it at REI if you're gonna go for a hike. Yeah,
1: um, somewhere along the way. So in the 90s, bottles were all anybody did. Then somebody was like, "Hey, why don't we put a plastic bag with a straw in a bag on your back?" And that was it for I don't know, 10, 15 years, probably. Yeah. And that was just how you carried all your shit, unless you were an XT racer. Um, but that was just how you carried everything. And then, I don't know what made the shift happen, but it was this race to get the, the Camelback off of your your bag, or off of your back. Um, so, the first time I tried it was with a company called Speed Sleeve, and it was pretty good. Like They were just kind of the first. Um, they did a really good job at the time, but it still... Kind of did that under the seat thing. Yeah.
0: And ejected every now and again. Like if the Velcro got worn, like I had that happen.
1: Velcro wears out. Also, a long drop seat post. So a dropper post with, you know, 170 millimeters of drop plus a long travel bike that has a lot of wheel movement. Those things kind of meet in the middle. Yep. And all of a sudden, your tire's hitting anything that's under your seat. Uh, whether it's a pouch or a speed sleeve or a strap, um, potentially either ejecting your your tools into your frame, into your wheel, and bringing you to a
0: screeching halt. Oh, man, stuck in the rear triangle and locking (laughs) up your... You think you just broke the whole bike. Yeah,
1: or ejecting it god knows where and then
0: you're just out, I mean a repair kit's 80 bucks worth of stuff dude I didn't realize how much a repair kit cost until that like first bike I had stolen yeah and you and I sat down and listed out and I'm like there's 85 dollars in that repair kit yeah never mind the bag yeah like that was crazy yeah
1: that's 100 bucks all in for yeah. to have a nice tool a nice CO2 inflator etc cetera, etc cetera, et cetera. Um, and so the the under the seat solution just kind of stopped working right um, and so backcountry Me- research makes a uh, a strap called the mother load and it's just crazy universal. You can still run it underneath your seat. In fact, when I first got my OE, I kind of had it there and it sucks it up nice and tight. And that's a short travel bike, so it doesn't really matter. Um, and then um, I currently just have it mounted on, on my frame yep. on the down tube and it holds everything. I carry, as I said, I, I put my, I do keep my, my multi-tool in my, Jersey pocket.
0: Yeah. It's cause you use it more. You right. want to use it when you want to use it.
1: How many times on a ride? Hey, anybody got a five millimeter. And yep. then that that's, I would say maybe the one weak link with any of these straps is that if you keep, you can put your, your, your whole setup in there, but if you need to use your, an Allen wrench or a chain breaker, you got to take it all apart. So that's in the pocket, but the whole flat repair kit, um, when I was running cush cores, I had my tire plug, co2 inflator tire lever no deleted the tire lever for the kush core setup and an inner tube yeah doesn't move i can transfer it from bike to bike so if i want to borrow a bike from the shop so super all in on the backcountry research straps um yeah they just they they function function well and they do the job and they're not expensive i think they're 20 bucks
0: yeah, no, and they look super clean on the bike. And they come in fun colors. Yeah, yeah, they do look clean. Um, I still, I so I went, remember I, I drew a hard line in the sand after True Grit this year mm-hmm. because I did lose my speed sleeve and it went to God knows where and I <laughs> rode 85 miles with no chance of a repair. Yeah. And so now I do, I'm like full XC weasel squeezer and I've got it stuffed in my back pocket and now I do it with all of my, I kind of, I dig it now, but if I didn't do that, your straps look super clean on all the bikes. Yeah. A lot of people out of the shop ride them, so. Yep. Um, I like them too. I uh I'm going to pivot away from tools and come back cuz I got one that I really like, but I'm going to go with the Spur cycle bell. <laughs> <laughs> and this is uh this is for both ends of the spectrum. This is for me to both at once be a super courteous trail user and at the exact same time a completely selfish egotistical psychobot on my bike simultaneously. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm going with this one. So spur cycle bell. Um, okay. You've all been on the trail. We, whether it be on a road ride or on a trail ride and you're hauling the mail, or you just happen to be going faster than everyone else around you. And you come up on somebody and you want them to move. And half these people are wearing earphones. The other half are like, dude, look at the trees, man pot's legal in Colorado. And then the other half are just kind of caught up in themselves. Right. And right. so to pull someone out of their like own experience to get them to move out of the way for your experience is already kind of like a dickhead thing to do. <laughs> and I don't want to be the guy riding up. Cause I always have been screaming like on your left, on your, and then they go left. And so the spur cycle bell, they do do that. Yeah, they? Do. they hear on your
1: left and, and they all go they left. hear
0: is left. Yeah. And then they're getting run over. So oftentimes I just don't, like I would not say anything and just blast them, and they don't like that not either, the right? Move. Yeah. So, the spur cycle bell is the loudest bike bell that I've ever used. Um, crazy sturdy on the bike, doesn't move around, and the ding like goes the length of the entire layer of the Bear Trail network. Like it is, it carries, and so I use this bell to ding ding people to let them know I'm coming. I use that bell so I don't have to say on your left. I use that bell when people see me coming, maybe they're coming down a trail and I'm going up and they just move out of the way for me. I ding ding them as like a courteous, Hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Um, I ding ding people when they say hi and I'm like huffing and puffing. Cause I'm in an effort. I ding them as like my high back. It is my universal like horn on the bike without it being a horn. Like people don't like car horns. I was just going to ask you how worn out is the the horn on your truck? Oh dude. And I actually got a middle finger yesterday from the horn because the car in front of me, it, the, the light was green for 10 seconds. I felt like that was an appropriate amount of time to wait. And they didn't move. And so I honked the horn because yeah. that's how cars talk give to each him, other. Give them
1: the toot. Not even like a lean on it,
0: right? Uh, I gave nah. like a bit. It was 10 <laughs> seconds. So it wasn't like a lay on it. But I didn't give him like a dee dee. I gave yeah. him like a You know? And I think that was a fair amount. The guy f- throws the bird out the side of the window. Mind you, he's the offender right now. He's the one that was updating his Twitter or whatever. Yeah. He's the throws me the bird, and then for a block, keeps the bird out. And we're in like residential area, so I know this guy lives by me. And yeah. I've got my company branding on the back of the truck, yours too. Yeah. And so I'm not trying to make enemies. He does a block bird hang, then pulls over, lets me pass by him. I'm not driving, speeding, anything like that. And then screams, I don't know scream, because I'm listening to jazz music, so I don't care about him. And then tailgates me with the bird out. So nice. the horn and the spur cycle are not equal thing. That's the same thing. The spur cycle is a light ding. It's elevated in its pitch and it's pleasant in its in its tone. So, it's how I communicate on the trail whether I'm saying thank you, saying "Hey, I'm coming up." "Hey, let me go." Whatever yeah. it may be, and it carries and everyone hears it even through headphones. Love it. They uh they're not cheap. I think they're about 60 bucks. Yeah, they're super expensive. But they are
1: made here in the US, so, you know, they're not just some cheap thing from somewhere else. Yeah, they're so. a,
0: they're, they're a bougie ass bell. It's
1: a bougie ass bell, but lifetime warranty. I mean, a, a warranty on a bell. Really? Yeah. Come on. It's like, awesome. Yeah. They so, even have
0: rebuild kits for it. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm, I, I love those bells as well. Um, I I don't have it on the XC bike right now, but there's a lot happening on the handlebars with lockouts and everything. So, yeah,
0: it's what I've noticed is at first I I had it on rec bikes, but Mm -hmm. it's in races when I don't want to, like, I'm so much in an effort, I don't want to communicate with my words. Yeah. So, but they're good and,
1: uh, uh, yeah, I like them a lot. They're, they're not cheap, but I think well worth it. I think either get a $15 bell or get a spur cycle. Like, don't mess with that. Like, there's other stuff and, uh somebody asked me, what do you know the name of the company of the, the bells that are hideous but you can turn them on and off? Like it's No, I know what you're talking it, about. So that. there's and this they, auto ding on yeah, the downhills. It just, it's like a bear bell that yeah. you can like pull the dinger up on with a little thumb yep. switch. And for the longest time, that's the other thing about the uh, the spur cycle. I refuse to put a bell on any bike I own because I have these beautiful high end carbon pieces right. of technology and they just to me there wasn't a bell that was worth putting on that, so I just did the on your left, rider up, etc. Yeah. Um, And now I think if you have a nice bike, road or mountain, the spur cycle kind of matches yeah, the quality pretty. of what you ride. So
0: it's pretty. And uh, gosh, you just you just said that about the other bell, and I had a thought. Uh, it spaced me, but another time I use it, and this is just like some free trail advice for those using the using the trail networks because they're so busy. Um, a lot of people getting outside. I use my bell more often, I would say, when I don't see people. So if I'm going around a blind corner, mm-hmm. my default thing has always been like bike, 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 bike. Like I yeah. sound weird, but I'm I want to draw attention. So now when I'm going around blind corners, I'm gonna I'm just rapping on my bell. Right. And just lighting it up so yeah. that people are just aware. Because um, there's no sort of courteousness blind corner's a, a blind courtesy. corner. A blind corner is a blind corner. Yeah. Can't get around it. Yeah. So um, oh, that's what I was going to say. Sorry. You're right. It is expensive as hell. So, if you are a person who is asked for gift ideas for yourself, and that's always hard, I think, to give gift ideas for yourself because, like, I don't know, I buy the shit that I really want. And the stuff that I really am like pining for is oftentimes out of scope for the gift buyer. Yeah. You know, like,
1: hey, it's not December right now, but any of our listeners can forward this on to their totally. non-cycling spouses, significant yeah. others, and be like, hey, this is also 10 gift ideas for yeah. me.
0: That I I got my first spur cycle from my mom as a Christmas gift, and have subsequently bought three. But that's how I got my first one. It se- seemed like a good idea. Like, I'm never buying a sixty dollar bike bell. Yeah, but I'll let you buy me one.
1: Yep. I, and I didn't think people would buy them, but we got them for the shop, and they ended up selling pretty well. So I, you know, there's a market for sixty dollar bike bells apparently <laughs> in in Platt Park. Yeah, Denver, Colorado. Yeah. Um, go for it, Smith Eyewear. Okay. Um, I Before, when we were kind of outlining this episode a little bit, I told you a story about when I was 14 and I just had to have a pair of Oakleys and how, you know, I had to wheel and deal with my mom to make that all happen. And then proceeded to wear Oakleys for the ensuing years all the way up until
0: uh, last summer. So you were 14. And you've worn them all the way until last summer. Yeah.
1: Pay it. And you know, despite having opportunities to buy other brands through various wholesale accounts. Um, I was just going to make you do math on how old you're going to be in the fall. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's not math.
0: I know exactly how old I turn
1: in the fall. So today, uh, so signed up for Firecracker 50. We'll do a little sidebar. Yeah. Signed up for Firecracker 50 uh, last week. Uh, Colin's in. I'm in. Justin's in. Um, and, uh, there was the first race registration I had to fill out yeah, that I signed up. Yeah. 40 to 49 jumped category. So, so the, for anybody that doesn't know when you sign up for a race, uh, the rule is you have to sign up for the age that you'll be on December 31st of that year. Right. So I turned 40 in the fall and, uh, <laughs> so that was, uh, I mean, and I, I, Age has never been one of those things that really bugs me, but it's just the first time signing up for something.
0: Yeah, that, no, like, it's no matter how much self actualization you have and comfort with oneself, yeah. you're gonna be like just oh, that first shit. one. From here on out, I don't give a shit. But
1: that first one, <laughs> just pen to paper, signing up in the forty to forty nine category. But no, that's not even true. I was gonna say I'm the young guys in the in the old guy group, but I would bet the guys at the higher end are, are way faster.
0: Yeah, the uh remember when it comes to endurance racing. Yeah, you get better. You get, you get, older. as you get, uh, become a grizzled yeah. goat. Yeah. It's just all just, just sinew and muscle. That and also like as you get older, you just have like life becomes harder. It's <laughs> just not to deal suffer with, better. Yeah. Like you deal with the, uh, like, <laughs> Business successes, but failures, relationships, success shit. Like people around you dying. Yeah. Right. Like, so you, you're just like, like my best friend called me, said he has cancer. Mine didn't, but like, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? You're yeah. there. So you're just hardened and you're like, dude, 50 miles on a bike, pfft, a lot Whatever. better than prostate cancer. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. go. I can do this all day.
1: Incidentally, my prostate's huge. So it all just hurts all the time.
0: <laughs> uh, my uh, prostate's so big. It's like a pillow down there. Yeah. It's just <laughs> comfort. It's a gel pad.
1: Um, so, yes, yeah, so oh, Smith Eyewear. Smith Sorry. Eyewear. Uh, but I mean that is, you know, 14 to to 38, that's a lot of years of wearing the same eyewear and just being like, "Hey man, I like this the best and I'll just pay retail for it." Right? Like that's just the way it is. I want to use this product, I'll just pay retail for it. And I think Oakley kills it on the marketing side of things. Like their stuff. So cool. all their stuff just looks cool. Their apparel, their glasses,
0: dude, the big O sticker. Know, is just cool. I know. I know. Uh, like a forerunner, a black forerunner TRD pro or a black forerunner TRD pro with the Oakley sticker on the back. Yeah. Which one's cooler? Yeah.
1: The one, it's just, it's yeah. just how it works. Yeah. Uh, so last year we picked up Smith for the store and despite having, I mean, I've got 20 pairs of Oakley's at home. I, how can I sell it if I don't try it? Right. Or how can I even expect somebody wearing a pair of Oakley's asking me about a pair of Smith's? How can I even say anything that makes sense if I don't use it? If I'm like, yeah, man, dude, I use Oakley too. Right. (laughs) That doesn't work. Um, and so, and I don't want to have stuff in the store that I can't say I do like, or don't like, or, Hey, it, it works for this scenario or that scenario. Um, and so I got a pair of, uh, the, uh, their interchangeable lens glasses. And they use, so Oakley put their stamp, I think, on the cycling world in the last few years with, uh, with their Prism technology. And uh, it's supposed to be, you know, they do a trail one, they do an everyday one. Anyway, it's supposed to just create better light definition or trail definition. Um, and it never really worked for me, uh, but I, I had it. Right. I was like, well, this is the best thing that Oakley makes right. Um, but I still felt like I always struggled in mixed light conditions or in and out of shade or shade mixed with sunlight. you know it just the trail always felt super vague. Um Q trying these Smith glasses, and it was like riding a totally new trail for me. Now I don't have the best eyes. I've got not great vision. I'm halfway fucking cross eyed <laughs> uh, like <laughs> uh. And so I always just struggled in those mixed light conditions, full sun, full shade. I was always kind of okay with, um, but you know we have a lot of in and out of tree stuff. And yeah. the Chroma Pop is what I would say Smiths. They would argue, but I think we can just draw a, a comparison between Prism.
0: Prism and Chroma Pop are like trying to satisfy the same thing. Exactly, they're working off the same brain science. Yeah. They just do it differently. Um,
1: what ChromaPop does for me that Prism didn't do, Prism kills certain lights or certain color spectrums, which doesn't work for my eyes. Um, ChromaPop is full light spectrum, all colors, and now I've got I've I've changed all my stuff over, including just my daily wear. Um, they don't do a Prism mountain bike glass or a Prism, not Prism. Uh, they don't do a polarized. Sorry. Uh, mountain bike glass at all, because their research, their R and D says that polarized kills too much. So when somebody's like, "Oh, is it polarized?" Well, hey, guess what? It's not great for mountain biking or cycling. Right. Um. So yeah, ChromaPop has been kind of a a, a game changer for me. Um. More so on the mountain bike.
0: Yeah. Than on the road bike. I so <clears throat> I got to play with ChromaPop for the first time. In 2017, and I re- I was an Oakley dude, primarily because um, Abby, my wife, gets to do stuff with Oakley every fall for, it was SIA, and now it's just OR, Winter Outdoor Retailer, here in Denver, and she gets to work for Oakley, so this has been going on for years now, and every year, I got multiple pairs of free glasses. I mean, dude, I'm talking like, <laughs> I got like 30 Oakleys at home. Right. Right? Right. And so, as a matter of fact, I started a side business. When I go to Moab, I just bring a couple of pair. And two for two, I've sold Chamberlain, a pair of Oakleys, for like 25 bucks Venmo. And I'm like, dude, that paid for two dinners in Moab. Yeah. Um,
1: a little side hustle.
0: So, I tried at uh, the Firebird 40, which was the state championship XC race in 2017. I tried the Chromal Pops, and I was a full-on Prism user, and I had a pair of the Mark Cavendish Road Prism glasses, and I had raced in them that day. So, I put on these Smiths, and... The thing I didn't like was that there was no, like Oakley had this cool color thing. Like when you put them on, I was like, this isn't real life. It felt like I was looking at TV because they had a bunch of tints and shades. And so I put the Pop on, and it had no shading. So I felt like it was still bright. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, since then, the Pops like that I now have and have, have had several pair, They all they have tint to it now, not in a way that kills color, but does like darken the sun if you want it darkened from. So like they have a a spectrum now. They do, which they didn't have when it first launched. Right, which is why I was like hard pass, and then a year later I was like, cool, I'm in. Yeah, and uh, they just launched
1: their first uh, photochromic lens, so light changing. Dude, you brought those out and again and maybe this would be the one thing on my list that is maybe a little situational to to me and my eyesight and my vision but uh photochromic or photochromic, uh it just it it lightens and darkens
0: based on light conditions we've all seen the transition lens commercials bro we get it these are not those uh um, i thought they were going to be I know you did. <laughs> insert not going to name his name yeah. but double t initials yeah, yeah. Rolls inside the shop all yeah, the time, or yeah. in the gym, yep. and he's like still got his sunglasses on because they're transitions. Oh, but wait, they're his eyeglasses. I'm like, bro, I can't Ooh, do the transitions. Uh,
1: <laughs> these are for me. They're 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 so good. Uh, being able to just take that that problem I have with changing light conditions and have the chroma pop and the photochromic and just have it all kind of rolled into one thing. I can't like. I wear them for everything now. Yeah. Dude, they're so. sweet. I, and I'm a convert as well. When they, when they have the, when they're clear, they do just look a little bit like a safety glass, but <laughs> a little safety glasses, but, um, but Hey, they work, dude. So if they, they work, do. they work, you know? Yeah. So I, the, again, the, any of the Smith chromopop stuff just works for my, my vision and has made riding a mountain bike way better for me.
0: And I recommend, uh, jumping on that. I re- cause I, I like, I like brain science a lot. I think it's really cool. Um, and if you care enough, I'd hop online and just type in, how does Chromal Pop work? And it's pretty cool how it has shown, it, studies have shown how it can reduce brain fatigue, which ultimately reduces fatigue in general, which can really help in an endurance-based event. Like there is real science that supports it. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool to, to read that and just be like, oh, that's, again, like these products another feather in their cap. Like, wow, not only can I see really well, but I'm going to have reduced brain fatigue and I can maybe ride longer which yeah.
1: does work well and it, it frees up processing power to to handle the this technical complex mountain bike trail in front of you also right oh, and how, and like proper use of your bell
0: yeah so correct body position <laughs> uh I dig it smith I'm on board with him too yeah um, I'm going to jump away from a purchased product uh <laughs> but an item that I have to have in my kit in my ride box in my truck Anywhere where I may have a need for a solution. Did you have to have them before about eight weeks ago? <laughs> I did. You just I didn't procured know where to get them? The, I, I got them a different way and they weren't as good. Okay. So I've always had them, but uh not as good as I as, as we have them now. But Velcro straps that are self-adhesing. Uh, so what the hook's I hooks mean,
1: on one side, the loops on the
0: other. Yeah, hook can... and loop on the same strip so that. Uh, you can like roll it up into a ball on itself, mm-hmm. right? So a Velcro strap that is like an infinite amount of stickability at your application. Um So I've always had these Velcro straps and I first started getting them because my damn speed sleeve, rewind, my speed sleeve kept hitting my rear tire when I'd send bigger hits and it just burned up the Velcro. So I had gotten a big roll from Home Depot of self-adhesing Velcro and I would cut straps that were the right length. I could wrap in that speed sleeve underneath my seat rail. So that's when I first started using them. And then they kind of became my like, they became my zip tie duct tape solution for everything. Sure. Yeah. It have it just, it's on the bike already, right? Yeah. So like I have a cable that's flopping around because a zip tie broke off of like a externally routed cable on my down tube. So, Oh, I use this Velcro strap. So I just kept it, you know, with me at all times. And then you're right, like eight weeks ago or so, when <laughs> Orbea, nine weeks ago, Orbea dropped our new bikes, all of the Orbea bikes are shipped with these badass, and there's like 10 there's or 12 10 per, bike. per bike of these badass, perfectly length, self-adhesing Velcro straps that roll up super tight. And so you could have this tiny little thing that you won't even feel in your pocket, but has an unlimited amount of potential for getting you out of a jam.
1: So we're writing the show notes for the show today before we came in and we're making the list and Justin's like Velcro straps. I was like, Oh yeah, yeah I know. I was like, he's like, dude, and I was like, you mean like this? I pull out, I, I go into my bag, which was, there's a bunch of funny stuff in there anyway. Um, I was like, you mean like this? And I've got my laptop cord cable charger thing bundled up with one. And I was like, <laughs> or do you mean these extra
0: two spare ones that I just have in my just bag? Just in case <laughs> just I need them. because. Yeah. that's, and that's how, if I looked around, you go look around the repair shop right now in the shop. They're kind of just all over. They're now. all over, and you know, I I read a uh, now was, people are going to be asking for them when they get pick no, up they their are. new Arbeas. Yeah, they're three bucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I was reading a, a a bike packer's blog. This is some weeks ago now, and I was just trolling his blog, and it was the same thing. It was like these five items under five bucks that. I'll never go on a trip without any, like a bandana and like a bunch of uses for a band. So he had a bunch of these things too. And for him was, uh, one of the straps that used to come on those old toe baskets. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just a toe strap. Just a toe strap. Right. And so it had, you know, you you can thread it back and it's got its teeth and locks it down. So this is that without better. It's way better without having a buckle and all this. So, If you don't have self-adhesing Velcro straps in your repair kit, um, get some immediately. It's actually how I, like I said, I keep my repair kit in my jersey pocket. I keep it bundled up. So tube, tire lever, my tiny little PDW air chuck, a CO2 uh, patch, a tire boot, a chain link, all that stuff stuffed in there. And then it's just wrapped up with these Velcro straps. And I'm like, I could fix, like my bike could disintegrate and I'll still ride home, Mm -hmm. you know. Nice, yeah.
1: I, I I didn't know I needed them until I got a bunch of free ones. <laughs> <laughs> and but now, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, last couple of items. Uh, I I don't oftentimes work on bikes at home. Why would I? No, yeah. You Any understand. repair station that I'm gonna make at home is not as good as the workshop at base camp. Right. I. It's I not gonna be. I don't have a gym in my garage. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, but there's still some, you know, before a ride, there's little odds and ends that you're ultimately, you're going to do at home. And I needed the industry standard, every workbench and every bike shop in the whole country has the red bond house Allen. It's like a little red Allen key holder with the same tools in it. They're not expensive. They're pretty good. Um, and the number of bikes that a, a bike workshop goes through, Allen keys wear out. You can get rid of them and buy new ones, and it's not expensive. They're good. They'll do the job. They'll do the job effectively and well. I don't work on that many bikes at home. So I wanted a really nice Allen key set. If you look at lots of times, uh, various mountain bike websites will show like inside the pros tool cases, uh, and you'll see this rainbow colored. Set of Allen keys. Okay, what's so special about those? They are the nicest Allen keys that you will ever lay your hands on, uh, and they're made by a company called Wera W E R A, um, and they fit the bolts nicely. They're just high quality. They're just so nice. I mean, as good as a as a Bond House, which is the name of the kind of shop standard uh, Allen key set, is as good as those are, and as quality as those are. Is these Wera Allen keys are just the nicest. I remember
0: when you got these.
1: I asked for them for Christmas. Yeah. It was my wife got me those for Christmas. It was
0: two Christmases ago. Uh, I was so the shop wasn't quite like officially open yet, though we were were still a few months away. We were screwing around in here, though. Yeah. Just sweeping floors, city of Denver. Like we weren't, we're not not doing business. Um, and I remember we were talking about like what we were asked for for Christmas that year, and I remember you. Asking for it. And then I remember you bringing them in after Dude, Christmas and you are like, so you excited. need to get these. And I'm like, <laughs> this man is really excited about some wrenches. Yeah. It's a but little, it's little things in life, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think they're rainbow card cause only world champions use them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I
1: think it's just for easy identification. Like I know the purple one is the four or whatever. Captain obvious. Over here. <laughs> Uh, But they're really good Uh, I don't know that there's a bike Distributor like it wouldn't be anything that you could go To a bike shop uh, You could to go buy Right. Um, So They'd have to get them off of Amazon But uh, I think they're like 40 bucks They're not cheap but you'll never buy another set Of Allen Keys for your Home use ever again
0: And you can't lose a brightly colored Bright yellow 5 I mean you can but you shouldn't because they're yeah, expensive because they're 40 bucks and you can't buy them individually. <laughs> and you can't buy single.
1: You probably can. I don't know. But that's one of my favorite things to just have it at the house. Um,
0: incidentally, that sets kind of just lived here at the shop, but uh, <laughs> there is something to be said though about, so I remember talking to you guys about some about bike repairs. Cause I've been fortunate enough recently that you, you've graciously opened up the shop area to let me tinker and tool around with any one of the five bikes I own from this shop, right? So, yeah. like, you've been, like, super cool to let me do it. And uh, I've said it on this podcast several times. It's not something... Like, if you're a customer of Basecamp, don't be like, I listen to the podcast, and Justin gets to work on his bikes there, so I want to work on my <laughs> Like, It's, it's not going to happen. little different. Okay? I got yeah. a deal. Yeah. All right? But when I come here and get to use all of your guys' pro-level stuff, um, I just... This is so... I, I just... Feel, a, you guys are here, so I know I can't mess anything up too bad. But I just feel more confident tooling around on the bike when I'm using pro level stuff versus like at home. My torque wrench is is like from Harbor Freight, you know what right. I mean? And I'm like just kind of cranking. and I'm I'm just thinking I'm probably like one torque away yeah. from like breaking it's probably something. Probably right. Yeah, but... yeah, but it's not pro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, So it just feels good to have my hands on pro level equipment here. And from what it sounds like these Allen keys and with as excited as you got about your Christmas present, uh, I'd imagine that it would probably inspire a home mechanic, maybe the same way. Yeah. There's there's yeah. I mean, you could
1: know that you're not going to round out a bolt head or, you know, as long as you're, you're using it correctly and taking your time, but it's definitely one of those pieces that just, it gives a little bit more
0: confidence with a job. Let me, let me do a little aside here. Uh, because my last item is a tool as well. But if you were to give, and I just let's not call it our listeners because they're probably all super pro and awesome. But if you were to say, "Hey, Justin, these are the this is the number one tip I need you to know about when it comes to you wrenching on your own bikes at home," and you've told me this tip so many times over, what's like the number one tip that you would tell me to be aware of and cognizant of when I'm at home wrenching? Like, inevitably, I'm at home wrenching. Adjust a brake or. I'm going to put on a new something. What's the one thing that you're like, make sure you don't blank over tighten a bolt. Yeah. <laughs> you have told me this like a thousand times.
1: Yeah. That's a, it's a real common mistake. But, um, if you use the wearer wrenches, uh, you can over tighten with confidence and know that you won't round out the bolt head. <laughs> exactly. I'm actually, <laughs> it's thinking, not going to stop you no, from over tightening a bolt, I'm but thinking that you won't most strip the out time, the bolt head. Yeah,
0: most of the time over-tightening the bolt isn't the problem. It's trying to remove the bolt yeah. that I have over-tightened, Yeah, and then I strip it out, yeah. and then I'm like, shit, yeah. Mo will fix this. Which usually involves a lot of cursing, a hacksaw, a drill,
1: and about 18 cigarettes.
0: And he put new bosses in my <laughs> wife's bike for her
1: cages. There was a lot of uh, a lot was, of strategy meetings on that one. Here's the fact that it never got used. Yeah. Anyway. anyway um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, that's, that's it for my list of, you know, I could probably go on about other, uh, little ancillary things here and there, but for, for my side of this conversation, that wraps me up pretty solidly.
0: I have got one more item and it is also a tool. So a bit of a theme here you guys are seeing, you know, it's the little things on these lists, right? The little stuff that, um, really optimizes not just the ride experience, but doing all the extra stuff you have to do in order just to ride. And my last one is the Topeak Ratchet Rocket. Uh, The Ratchet Rocket's a mini tool that is basically just like a really small socket set for all the different sizes of Allens and Torx Mm -hmm. that you need to completely disassemble the bike. I mean, it goes all the way. It's basically everything you need to disassemble and reassemble a bike tool-wise. And I was introduced to this product. Disclaimer here, I did do a little job for Topeak on a travel bike case of theirs Sure, but they're we can we'll give it a pass because it's not
1: an active sponsor. No, <laughs> not
0: they're not. They don't sponsor us. Yeah. Um, I actually did this whole job for them. They paid me for the job, but they didn't give me any free product, so I had to go and buy this tool. But this this with the
1: money that they paid you
0: with the money they paid me. But the scope of the project was basically this: they wanted to capture a guy who is his life, and so they had me like riding around Denver, disassemble the bike I was riding, put it into their fancy pants travel box, which is what we were selling. And then flying somewhere, and then reassembling it and going for a ride at this destination. I did everything with this Topeak ratchet rocket, and if anyone has ever put something as simple as bottle cages on a bike frame and tried to fit your fat ass hands in there and like wedge a little multi tool to loosen up the bolts as needed, it is the most even is the most annoying thing. i like, you get a quarter turn and then pick the wrench out, and a quarter turn and pick. you're there all day. And I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to put a bottle cage on here. I'm gonna stab somebody. And so this little ratchet rocket works. Just like that. It's a ratchet. So you can work in these tiny little spaces because all of these parts on bikes are tiny little spaces and you can get in there and confidently, you know, take shit off and put stuff on. And so the ratchet rack comes in this little Velcro pouch. It's got all the different sizes in there. Um, I got the newest version, which has Torx bits in there. Torx bits in there. Torque. Torque bits <laughs> in there. So I don't over tighten. Right. So it's got like a four or five and a six. Which are really range. like,
1: it's going to be just your common torque settings yeah. for small stuff, seat post, handlebar, stem, stuff you're wrenching. Little on. stuff. Like that, that us guys wrench on yeah. not Like you guys. Wrench yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, that was a, a surprise to me because you told me to get it. I got it and they sell really well. And I think people, a multi-tool is great. Uh, the one thing I would maybe critique it on for my purposes is no chain tool, so then you're carrying a, if you're if if you carrying a chain tool. Right. Um, and so, but my, I get really stuck in these kind of dumb feedback, self-supporting, stupid decision loops when it comes to buying stuff for the store. And so, like, in my head, a multi-tool for on-the-bike use just has a chain tool. Like, it has to have, has to have a chain tool. Because if you don't have a chain tool and you break a chain, you're done. Well, guess what? Chain tool is only good if you know what you're doing with it a lot of people don't. Right. Um, and we're always happy to show somebody if they want to buy a, a, that tool set that has that tool on it. But most people are like, like if my chain blows up on the trail, I'm going to turn around and ride down the hill and come to a bike shop. Yeah. Um, and so the that Ratchet Rocket hadn't really been on my radar until I borrowed Sarah's on a ride when she first started working at the shop. And I was like, if I didn't already own 10 other multi-tools I would probably go ahead and get one cuz right. it is so clean and so functional and is kind the little pouch I mean it's so unobtrusive like the whole thing is it functions well it's out of the way and then the new version has that little torque wrench thing so I I think it's really cool I haven't bought one yet but
0: Yeah so I I've bought I've bought two yeah and I even use at home now like when I'm wrenching on my my friend I just did it last night uh I use it now as like my home single tool. Cause it's just ratchets are easy, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so I use it all the time. It, 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 I use sockets with like home repairs and right. so I'm comfortable using them. So it just is, it was super easy for me. Topeak ratchet rocket. Love the right.
1: thing. I'm going to beat the dead horse a little bit longer because yesterday when I was finishing up the build on your brand new gravel bike, the rear brake is in a not convenient spot.
0: Post mounted, tucked in. Yeah, and it looks sweet, by the it way. It looks
1: great. So clean. Um, and I'm sure there's some engineer has a reason for it, but it's awful place to try to put a brake together. <laughs> um, and I, I was, I was five frustrating minutes of doing a quarter turn on an, on a bolt uh. before I went downstairs and took one off the wall for the workshop. <laughs> I ultimately didn't, but I was like super close to be like the workshop just needs one of these
0: <laughs> for this moment <laughs> right now. That's the thing, yeah, fitting in a tiny yeah. little spot where you just gotta like, uh,
1: yeah. Um, that's it. That's the list. That's yeah. Uh, I am
0: gonna do a recap for everyone that listens. So Harley's five items that you know, um, again, not paid to use these things, pay actually to use these things, but don't want to don't want to ride without Mad Alchemy Shammy Cream. Smith Optics, across the board. Backcountry Research straps. A digital pressure gauge in those Wera Allen keys. For my five, we've got the Topeak Ratchet Rocket. Goo throat baffles. You have to say it like that if you use them. Portland Design Works. I can't wait to see mini people. Mini shiny trying object. Trying to Google that word. Uh, spur Cycle Bell and self-adhesing Velcro straps. Hell oh, yeah. 10 items. 10... ten- I think absolute essential items. Incidentally, there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. There, I mean, you can see kind of, and again, this is cause we've got a lot of years of, of riding, racing, recreational riding. And you're like, dude, I just found out now, like what I know I need to have Yeah, and I've diluted it down. So, um, there's probably tons more. If you look at our, our bike boxes that we carry around with us for weekend trips, there's a ton of stuff in there, but those are the ones, 10 items. Hopefully you understand why we use some of them. Um, And if you have any questions about them, we just launched this last week. We have a website. We have a website. So if you go to no norideround.com, you can take a peek. Uh, We're constantly uploading photos. It's a basic, basic page, so guys don't get carried away. But uh, there's a basic opportunity to see our photo gallery that we update photos every week of training rides and community events that we do. Because really, the purpose of this podcast, uh, beyond just... The Breck Epic Race Team, which we're going to talk about in the next episode, is really just about us uh, being around each other in bikes and in, in riding bikes. And so you're going to see photos of that. There's also a contact form if you want to reach out to No Ride Around. Um, and then you'll see a little list there that says, hey, if you have questions about like bikes, gear, or uh, training lessons for riding bikes, like you want mountain bike instruction, there's Harley's contact information. And if you have questions about a training program uh, nutrition, workouts, things of that nature. There's my contact as well. So no ride You can hop on there. If you have any questions about these 10 items or otherwise, that's our contact information. We want this to start to become a two way street here with you guys asking us questions so we can really just address the stuff that you want to hear. Yep. Um, and we just would love to have you guys on there.
1: Yeah. I would love to, uh, see some, some, uh, episode ideas. Um, Bardo sent a little text message to... Killer idea. Yeah. Um, so let us know. Uh, a friend and a community member of both the, the bike shop and the gym uh, suggested we do another debate. Oh, yeah. Uh, flat pedals versus clipless pedals. Um, so we could do that one. Uh, so if you got any feedback or opinions on that, shoot us a, a little little message over on the, the new site. Um, when we upload this episode, we will include... Uh, episode notes so we'll we'll link to all the, the products that we talked about and um, we should probably give a, a quick little
0: shout out to all this, the uh, the partners. Totally. First off this is a very uh, focused and well executed <laughs> podcast episode primarily because I just finished an amazing iced Americana with a healthy and I mean healthy splash of oat milk and Harley just finished up. uh the regular old drip coffee. Regular old drip coffee from Nixon's Coffee House. Nixon's. We want to thank those guys. Yep. Um, we love you guys, man. Appreciate the support. Nixon's Coffee. Um, Color Up Therapeutics. Orbea Bicycles. Crank Brothers. Crank Brothers. Continental. Continental. SRAM. And Junk Headbands. Oh, yeah. Fresh on board. Newly added junk bands
1: uh, so we'll we'll do some links to the, the sponsors or the partners as well, I think. Yeah. Um, so that's it for right now. Thanks for listening everyone. Yeah. Get out there ride your bike. Go weak.
0: You're done. Get the fuck out. Go weak. You're done. So get the fuck out. Go You're weak. You're done. So get the fuck out. You're weak. You're done.